Hello and welcome to It's Only a Sequel, our podcast that is all about our favourite fearful follow-ups. And today on episode two, I have my good friend, Hugh Lloyd, filmmaker with me. How are you? I'm not too bad. It's great. I love the pretense that we haven't been talking for a good hour before. Oh, like at least <laughs> like chatting away for an hour and a half. Um, I, but so today... How are, how are you? I'll start. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Given everything you know, that has been going on, I'm good. Good. I'm good. Good. <laughs> that's it. That's, this is my, this is me looking like I'm per, very personable on the podcast. We have, <laughs> we've, all, we've been very personable for like an hour and a yeah. half before we started. But, um, you know, I also like to prove that I care about people's feelings and emotions and their It's important. That, you know. Um, it's important. So today... Uh, we're going to be discussing nightmare uh, a nightmare on Elm Street. I always leave the A out of. I always do it. I oh you know, everybody and I think most people do. People just go oh nightmare on Elm Street. Oh man, it was like the transition from people calling them Freddy Three when I was a kid. Like oh. um, a nightmare on Elm Street Three, Dream Warriors. Yes. Now I'm fighting every urge in my body at this moment in time not to go. I've like, already done it. You've done it. There we go. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah. No, I just got it's, there. We um, it is I literally my third note is this is the dockingiest movie you will ever <laughs> see. Um for those who don't know, like Docking are my number one favorite band of all time. And it's because of this film, really. Like if I think about it. So I like I heard Dream Warriors um on the end credits when I was a kid. And was like, my yeah. God, that song's amazing. And it led me to tracking down um, like a bunch of uh, free music they had on like their early website that took like yeah. days to download. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was some of their biggest hits at the time, I think. Um, and yeah. it just ever since then, they've been like my all time favorite band. Um, yeah, I this, I mean, adore them. What's amazing, I work with somebody who is um, a proper old-school 80s hair metal fan. I mean, she has been to... She's seen everyone, and she goes and still see, goes to see everyone, you know, from Def Leppard to Whitesnake to Forrest. You name it, she's seen them all. And she actually shared a lift with the lead singer from Dokken oh. on the way to the gig to go and see Dokken. Amazing. And she's like, so, Alison, if you hear this... Hello, Alison. Uh, she is like the most rock and roll person you can ever meet. Cause like, you just, you know, you just talk about it and she goes, yeah. So maiden in so-and-so and so, and then I saw him in this and I've seen, she's seen kiss, you know, you name it. She has seen like everyone. And then she'll even, you know, like recently she, you know, before the pandemic and then I think she'd be like, went and watched like white snake on their last tour and your proper old school, big hairspray hair metal fan. And like she said, yeah, she shared lift with the lead singer. And he was really lovely and really polite. <laughs> Don Dokken, he's an absolute legend. He's a, uh, I mean, people who don't know, I was a singer many moons ago. Um, and Don Dokken was like my main inspiration um, as a vocalist. Um, you know, he's just, um, I, like I even, I love his solo stuff. You know, like the stuff that everyone else hates. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> give me some solo Don Dokken. I'm, I'm in there, you know, like, um, like honestly, they've never done a bad album, as far as I'm concerned. Like, um, you know, still, like even their modern stuff, I really enjoyed. They did some kind of like, you know, experimental 
uh, kind of dipped out. I gotta be honest with you. In the nineties, I did dip out a little bit at that point. Um, I mean, it's like it's like when anybody says, "Oh, this is like our dance album," and you just think, "Yeah, they went a bit grungy." Yeah. But even then, it's not a bad album. I, you know, like, but it's n- it's not one of their better ones. Um, yeah. But I'm, honestly, this could be a docking podcast if if I'm oh. not careful, because um, the film starts with um, "Into the Fire." Which is another yes. docking song. Yes. Uh, which is yeah. again one of the best songs. Like, um, <clears throat> you know, it's uh, to be honest, I wish they just fully pushed the boat out and just the whole film just be like docking. I think it would have been know, all the better for it. Wall to wall. Um it would have been great. Um, I'm especially happy that I'll quickly go into this and before we get into the film, that yeah. uh the music video is on the DVD. Um <sighs> And they go to great lengths to like edit docking into the movie. Yeah. Um, like, and it's yeah. incredible. I might be wrong here, but I do actually think it's the first music video that was ever shot directly in conjunction with promoting a film. Like, yeah, because there were songs off. that were released before to promote a film. But I think it was the first time anyone ever shot a music video to promote that coincided with. I think, the film like, I think the closest to it would have been like Ghostbusters. Yeah. Ray yeah. Parker Jr., but they don't quite take it to the same lengths. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and like it it's it, it's synonymous, it's, it's interesting because it is synonymous with Ghostbusters. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? That you that, you know that iconic track, and in the same way, like Falcon yeah. is now synonymous with with Nightmare on Elm Street. You yeah. know, Dream Warriors, and like anybody who's you know, when they talk about the series, automatically they talk about Dream Warriors and the song. Yeah, you know, it's it, it, they just linked hand in hand, and I'm just glad that it was this one. You know, it was docking with this as opposed to when Freddie started rapping uh, oh, with the Fat Boys. Yeah, that's bad. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's on the the Part Five DVD, so oh, don't worry my if, you, if right. you want that. That's there. Um, and I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on this in the later right, on, well, but yeah. I mean, so just... I don't, I haven't got like a particularly set structure for these yet, but what I try to do is I'll describe what happens in the film and then yeah. we'll, we'll go through, uh, I've made, I've got two pages of notes here. Yeah. Um, I'm not far off. Um, that just about random stuff, uh, in the film. Um, some of it, some of my observations, I feel are freaking great. So, um, but anyway, so uh, a nightmare in Elm Street three, Dream Warriors. Because I'm from the northeast of England, my wife always takes a mick out of the way that I say warriors, and she goes, "Why? What are they worried about?" <laughs> um, so, and you can imagine I say that quite a lot because uh, I'm a massive Ducking fan. So. Yeah. Uh, well, it, between you, you know, between your northeast accent and my you know, deepest, darkest South Wales valleys, where we, warriors, you know, <laughs> people are going to be thinking, know. "What the fuck were they watching?" <laughs> what was everyone so worried about? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, it's directed by Chuck Russell, um, DOP by Roy H. Wagner. Um, uh, the photography, we'll get into that later because that's a really important part of what yeah. I'd love to talk about. Um, so uh, the film is a departure from the second film, 
um, which really goes in a very different direction to Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yeah. Which, uh, we all know the story, surely, where um, the parents of Elm Street killed a child murderer uh, slash paedophile. It's never really explicitly well, said. I mean, in the first one, they kind of pushed that element. Yeah, yeah. Quite a um, bit, and then they kind of realised, oh, hang on a second now. Maybe... Maybe a child murdering so many kids' costumes. Pedophile <laughs> is not great to be selling, you yeah. know, and it's going to be a bit awkward when he starts <laughs> rapping with the fat boys. Yeah, you know. Um, so, you know. How, yeah, as if it, a child murderer though is like, like easy to sell. Is he much easier? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It's just you know. weirdest, I mean, unless you're a night, unless you're a nineteen presenter from Britain, is yeah. just marketing pedophile <laughs> monster costumes at children like. Oh, buy this yeah. funny doll. He can molest you in your sleep. Like, yeah. uh, you know, so it... Um, <laughs> Where yeah, did they the really doll down, touch they it, Denise? purposely downplay the angle this time round. Because I feel like in yeah. the second one, it goes overtly much more in that direction, you know? Oh, absolutely. Where he's kind of, like, um, interested in the kind of, like, sexy young man, like, you know, like... Um, and there's, like... Yeah. There's more of that in there. But uh, so... The third one is a direct sequel to the first one. It brings back Nancy um, and she yeah. becomes, uh, it follows Patricia Arquette, which I think this is her, one of her first films. I don't think it's her first. It's her first film. Really? It wow. Is, yeah, yeah, I think I think, it is. I think she'd done some like minor TV stuff. Before. Yeah, like where usually they'll have like an introducing if it's, um, yeah. you know, if it's her first anything. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so. Um, Patricia Arquette um, has a run-in with Freddy in one of her dreams. She's been having strange dreams. She has a run-in with Freddy while listening to Into the Fire by Dokken. Um, she, uh, <laughs> she, but it looks like she's tried to commit suicide. She gets sent to uh, an, an institution for children who are troubled, who've all tried to kill themselves. Um, and it all turns out they've been seeing Freddy in their dreams. Um, and you know how they say, if you see Freddy in your dreams, you see Freddy for real. Um, and then uh, the new the new therapist shows up, and it's Nancy Thompson from the original film with a weird grey streak in her hair, even though she's like twenty one or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's a nod in there. I think she goes grey, doesn't she? At the end yeah, of the first yeah. one, there's like she's got um, that sort of you know, the, but the it's, it's, Frankenstein. it's it feels a bit weird. Uh, it feels like that. I'll get into this a bit later, but it feels like they're trying to kind of age her up a bit. So that the romance between her and the old man doesn't look as <laughs> off. Um, but anyway, so she she um, she tries to help them deal with Freddy by putting them in group sessions um, where they all fall to sleep together, and they harness the power of their dreams to become the Dream Warriors, in which they all try and fight Freddy uh, to save their friend Joey, who's been pulled into um, the dreamscape uh, and is being held captive by. Mr. Kruger himself, um, and they discover the only way to defeat Freddy is to bury him in hallowed ground, uh, and so begins the the story of Nightmare on Street Three. A Nightmare on Street Three, the Dream Warriors. Um, does that does that sum up the film's plot? I think, I, I, without giving away any of the spoilers, that I'm sort of, I'm well impressed. Yeah, well, that. I mean, the, to be honest, the Nancy thing's a bit of a spoiler, but I feel like if you know anything about this franchise at this point, you know that 
she's in it. And I mean, you know, this came out, what, 1987? Is it 87? It is 87, yeah. 87, so it came out 87. So, you know, it's kicking on a bit now. Um, So if you haven't seen, like, the original by now, when you're listening to... I've got to be honest, it, it feels it. A little yeah. bit, this like, and it never has before. But I haven't watched it in probably about three or four years. That yeah. Can't be right. But yeah, yeah, maybe about half a decade, nearly. Um, and this is the first time ever that it felt aged. It's very you know? It's um, very very just indeed. just in terms of its kind of tone and sound and stuff. Because I mean, we'll get into cinematography yeah. in a minute, but in terms of cinematography, like. Um, it's leaps and bounds ahead of what everyone else was doing um, at that time. Yeah. If you look at the Friday yeah. the 13th films and stuff and the way, because they're shot what I would call very traditionally. Um, yeah, yeah. I and think this yeah. is immensely well shot. Uh, Roy H. Wagner was the cinematographer on it. Um, he's one of my favourite cinematographers of all time. Uh, definitely due to this movie started that off for me. Um, but um, it's like it's what he calls high contrast cinematography and bloody hell you can see it's like like deep dark black shadows against like very yeah, yeah. vivid single colors you know um yeah he reshot um the opening scene which is like an absolute blast where she first goes to the house and she tries to save the little girl yeah um, i was about to say about that I he mean, reshot I that love... scene with an iphone yeah. recently to kind of show off the capabilities of iPhones um, and just watching him work is absolutely fascinating. And he talks about using that contrast to kind of tell a story mm. and sh- show, you know, um, to, to highlight what you want people to draw attention to in those scenes and stuff. And I think as a cinematographer, it's a really important thing to look at. And, yeah. you know, you're going to learn a lot from it. I really do think, um, but yeah, it's um, it's also the change between the way that he shoots the everyday stuff, which doesn't look plain. It's still very, very full of style and substance and interest and angle. Yeah, but yeah. When you jump to the dream stuff, it's like a literal whole other style and world. Um, yeah, and it's I, incredible. I, the one thing that really struck me about this is the movement of the camera yeah absolutely the there are times in this and not and even when like even in the real world you know not the dream world there's a floaty feel to the camera yeah it's sort of like you know with and i think particularly when we get to sort of when you know you know good old uh Rennie the Viking Harlan starts getting his hands into the in, into the sort of uh, yeah into the crew of the series the camera is like meow, 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 flying all over the yeah, place absolutely and but what we get here, we get this like great, we get this great floatiness throughout it, which does sort of, particularly in the quiet moments, because this film is, you know, when we talk about set pieces within within the franchise, I think this this tops them. This is just phenomenal. Yeah. And you know, you get the icon, you get a lot of the iconic Kruger moments come in this film. Well, yeah, but and this, the, I mean, the film also sets up a lot of what will become established as like big stuff. Down yes, the absolutely. And I mean, like, you know, we get the, you know, we get Kruger who's, you know, he, we're firmly into the sort of cackling, winking punchline 
Kruger here. Yeah. Um, you know, we started getting a little bit of it, you know, here and there, but we're into that. But what I like, I yeah. said, like you said about the, like that jump, but that floatiness at it's times, a, sort of. It's what I consider good cinematography to have is intent all the time. Yes. Everything's done with intent. It doesn't. There's there's rarely even the group scenes. The the early group scenes a little bit guilty of it, but um, there's never it never feels like there's a scene that's just getting coverage. Yes, it always feels yeah. like the camera works thought through to present, you know, story yeah. details and character details, and you know, to emphasize that stuff. And yeah. um, I mean, uh, one of the first things I have here is the one-shot character introduction, where we meet nearly all of the kids. Yeah, in one shot, but you wouldn't yeah. notice it unless you were looking for it. And like, I mean, when I do these things, I'm a bit more fine-tooth comey about my film watching experience yeah uh, so i look out for that kind of stuff a bit more than i usually would yeah um but yeah the, we meet every single character in that one shot uh, every single important character in the film yeah because we uh, kind of get that one shot as he's walking down to look at kincaid in the isolation yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's all one shot and you get but not only that you get like an introduction to kind of what that character's like in, yeah. that, in those moments and that's yeah. uh you know it's it's really really well done um and i like the fact it doesn't hang about yeah Do you um, know what i mean it doesn't hang around it's, it's like in retrospect here we are this is this these are our characters and we're moving yeah i do like that i think the film does suffer from some underdeveloped relationship issues um, yeah. <laughs> which i just noticed kind of like uh i mean I should say because one thing I always get from people is you said you say a lot you were very critical about this film, but then you said you liked it, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. those two things aren't mutually exclusive for me. In fact, yeah. like sometimes, like odd little discrepancies and things help me enjoy a film more. Oh um, yeah. yeah, you know. So, um, but there are a couple. There are some weird things in this film that I will point out. Um, when she tries to commit suicide when freddie cuts her wrist in the dream and then she wakes yeah. up and she's holding a razor and there's like blood squirted all over the mirror yeah um there's like a weird like comic note in the soundtrack it's like burp, 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 burp. like yeah like oh yeah you silly billy like and i thought <laughs> like it's so weird um yeah you know that's but i, I mean i i like it but it's 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 weird. It's strange. It's a weird tonally. It's a weird thing to do. It breaks that sort of verimilicitude, doesn't it? Because you know yeah. what we're asking us to do is sort of buy into this world where people can, uh, you know, the, their nightmares, their terrors, are you know, are, you know, essentially their dream world is going to kill them, and it's you know, sleep is going to kill them. So we, yeah. you know, we're, as an audience, we're being asked to jump into this, and like those scenes, are, now that opening scene is really really tense it really really sort of gives you that sort of that terror oh, yeah it's, and the it's sort of like honest. how vicious freddy actually is yeah it's the strongest opener i think in the whole series he is you know kruger is that sort of like you know he's at his peak power there and then we come from that and like you said we get that oh ah, ah moment and it's I like mean, oh. yeah this is this is 100 percent the film where they went it's it's the puns. That's what it's all about. It's, yeah, it's oh, all about yeah. the puns. Um, like this is the film that basically went look, look 
let's do that. Um, yeah. It's also the film that, um, like, it's the the one that's. I think it's guilty of starting the trend that carried on through the franchise, which is like, hello. I am this personality. Ah, oh, well, your personality yes. will be what kills you in your dreams. Like, yes. And like that, that's this film is all over that. It's like, yeah. Oh, right. So you're a, you're a junkie, are you? I hope that doesn't come back to haunt you in your dreams. Oh, no, that um, could come back. And you it's know, like, like, you know, um, and well, it, even Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, uh, like, yeah, the wizard. Well, it's called Wizard Master. It is. It is. It's it is. important. Um, but I like that. That was a nice little detail. It is a nice detail, but it obviously, like, you know, and if we think about like the satanic panic that was taking place in America as well at yeah. that time, people saying, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons, you're going straight to hell, um, you know, and it's like, oh, well, here it is. You know, you were yeah. being punished because you were playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, yeah, no, it is a little bit. There's a little bit of that to it, I think. Yeah. You know, and um, poor Joey, you know, he likes, you know, the the, the, the slinky looking nurse, you know, and... Well, uh, I need to talk about... So let's talk about this asylum for a minute, yeah? Yes. What is with the sexually in inappropriate orderlies? Because <laughs> from what I can tell, I've, I've, there's, a, there's a band name in here. I've written it down somewhere. Where is it? Yeah. Um, um, oh, man, I've lost it. I'll come back to it. I wrote like I think there was like a definite I thought um there's a band name in this. Um and I wrote it down and now I've forgotten what it is and I've ruined my own joke. Um <laughs> oh man, where's it gone? Oh yeah. Uh Max and the sexually inappropriate orderlies. Yes. Um, or or yes. Mary Fishbone and the sexually inappropriate uh, yeah. orderlies. Um because I mean, obviously, the lead guy, the guy who's he's the good one, isn't he? He's the guy yeah. who cares about the kids. Is uh, none yeah. other than an early role for uh, Lawrence Fishburne, who uh, back then was going as Larry Fishburne. Uh, yeah. But he'd recently changed his name from Larry Fishbone, which was his original screen name. Um, baffling. But yeah, I mean, so there's there's I mean, two he, well, there's two other orderlies working there. There is a receptionist as well, but I don't count her. Um, no, no. Um, and they're both sexually inappropriate. Uh, so I like mean, one of them is like trying to sort of get the recovering drug addict. Yeah, he's like, go why don't you come down to like the, the dispensary and I'll well, show you a good time if you want some, uh, <laughs> you know. And then the, the the nurse is like, hey Joey, how's it going? Because I thought, yeah. oh, well, obviously she's Freddie. Isn't she? But I was like, yeah. oh, but she's not now. She's not right at this minute. <laughs> like when we first met. Interestingly her. enough, the nurse, um, the actress who played that nurse, um, she was uh, it, it's Stacey Alden, her name is, and she plays Marcy, which is the nurse, and she was voted best, the fourth best boobs in horror. Um, she came in number four. Uh, me and so, my wife said that um, she's very disingenuous because there's a bit where she takes her clothes <laughs> off and she goes, do you like my body, Joey? And I'm like, one, he's a teenage boy. What's he going to say? But yes. Also, <laughs> you know what you look like. <laughs> like, don't I mean, be I so think, disingenuous. I think most teenage boys, you know, uh, sort of faced with that kind of, you know, that that kind of, would have passed out. I yeah. think, you know, 
blood would have rushed somewhere and that would have been it. I did. would have been I, unconscious. Yeah. I said to my wife, I said, if I'd been that age and a woman like that had come on to me, I would have gone, hello, Freddy Krueger. Like, yeah. <laughs> instantly, <laughs> I would have just assumed that it was him. Yeah. I'm I dead. And that was without I any like, my free faith. Freddy Krueger dreams. I would have gone, hello, Freddy Krueger. How are you doing? Like, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so how he didn't go. Oh, I wonder if this is too good to be true in this fucking yeah uh, in this scenario where Freddy Krueger is a constant botherance, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I uh, like yeah, I, I love that. I, I, I like. I mean, it adds a lot to the film. I do like. I like the idea of it. But who the fuck? Hi, who's in charge of hiring people in this place? If it's that nurse who's constantly holier than now, then she's oh, not God, doing yeah. a very good job. I, I think HR may have some uh, explaining to do at some point. Oh, yeah. DPS? Where's the DPS? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they're the worst. They're the worst staff ever. But then you've got Lawrence Fishburne going absolutely the other way. He's like, you can't come in see these kids. Like, and yeah. she's like, they're all in danger. And he's like, I don't care. You're like, you're like However, well, on, which one is it? Are you either going to, like, molest them or you're going to, like, <laughs> not let anyone help them? Like, you're going to be too overprotective. So it's... Uh, but, I mean... And also, if you think like Lawrence Fishburne, you know, when it comes to that iconic moment, the TV kill, yeah, you look at that that, that iconic TV kill where Freddie grabs the girl and sort of pulls her head oh. first into the television, which it, and I mean, that's some a brilliant practical effects work going on there. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne's character appears and says, "Okay, you can stay here, but don't tell anyone." Yeah. Automatically, you'd want the you, you did you know, and then we got later on. You got like the guy who's in charge of the hospital going. We got two dead kids and one in a coma. Hasn't anybody decided to say, well, where was the staff? Yeah. Hey, Lawrence Fishburne, what were you doing? Um, <laughs> shit. And actually, you're on this camera. You were in there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Arrested, Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. You're going to jail. Um, yes. But yeah, so it's. Uh, but it's it's nice to see him. Um, oh, you, you know, know he's a tremendous actor. He's a incredible. And I mean, I think if you look at like his credits before this, he was in Apocalypse Now when he was about sixteen. Yeah. Um, and then he was in Death Wish Two. Um, he was one of the uh, one of the the rapists. Yeah. In uh, Death Wish Two, and like. He picks up like his boombox. Yeah, I don't think I've ever sounded as white as possible. And like starts using it for cover and running whilst Charles Bronson then just blows him away. It's just... <laughs> have you I mean, you know, I know, yeah. So it's a bit of a step up in terms of uh, characters. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I like, but I think he does a good job. Um yeah. You know. Uh yeah, I think he's great. Um, but I think you should have a band called Max and the Sexually Inappropriate Orderlies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they just play docking covers. <laughs> but like funky style. Why isn't anybody... Ever, why, aren't, why aren't we investing in this? I know. Like, <laughs> get out there. So if someone hasn't done it, do it. You know, there we go. Right, um, so the big thing for me was I forgot that I always thought the Amanda Kruger stuff, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, the white yeah. nun, yes. I always thought that was, well, it is established way more down the line, but yes, I didn't think it came in this early. 
Um, no. Because no. it is a little bit of like a side plot that really has no bearing on the film. Apart no, it doesn't from go anywhere. She says you've got to bury him in, like, on holy ground. Um, yeah. You know, like, but that that's it. That's the only bearing it has, apart from to give us a bit more backstory on Freddy. So, um, Neil, the head doctor, keeps yes. seeing, um, who is definitely coming up to like he's forty-five, heading to fifty. Nancy's yeah. 21, 22. Yeah, they're well, constantly yeah, like, these two are gonna get it on. And you're like, why? That's real that feel. I mean, not I'm not judging relationships with but yeah, it feels inappropriate. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, they're in a workplace setting. Which is why she's I feel only like they, two they minutes. emphasize the grey in her hair to go, oh, she's older than she looks. But this she's only wise. takes years, this takes place six years after the first one. So yeah. She's not that so much what, older. She's in her early twenties. No. And like they should choose straight out of some college hotshot. Yeah. As they straight say right of, at the beginning. Straight out of college, you're coming in here. And they also introduce Hypnosil in this film. Yeah. Um, which is a big thing later in the franchise. Uh, spe specifically, I remember it in Freddy versus Jason, um, where they've got yeah. all the kids in the, like the institution, like doped yeah. up on Hypnosil. Um yeah. and he's been secretly feeding it to his daughter or something, yeah. I think. Um yeah. Yeah. You know, so that was, I was like, oh, cool. Like, I like that, that you know, this is it's the a first introduction it, to it. What is great? I mean, like, I know, like, part two sort of went in a really different direction with it, which I thought actually is a really interesting way to take the film, take the franchise. And then they come back around this one. And, but there's generally a through thread right the way through the franchise, which you kind of, and like pops up in late different, like you said, the Freddy versus Jason. It pops up in there. Um, and there's always that sort of link, which is which, from like a fan point of view, it's go always good to see. Yeah. You always, you know, noticing those things, and it keeps this sort of like you're always looking out for those kind of moments. Um, and like watching it again, and like I hadn't watched this for probably a good five six years, maybe like so, so sitting down and watching it again. And it was like things that go, oh, yeah, I remember that. And like you said about the, you know, about the, about the pills and the, oh, yeah, they, they, you know. And like looking at the development as well of Freddy and like yes. seeing how that character develops and how he changes and sort of even the makeup is different. Even yeah, his makeup yeah, is, is different it's in this a bit one. more um, streamlined, I feel. Yeah. Because like in the first one, you know, it, you know, it's it's it, it's the classic Freddy look, isn't it? It's the you know, yeah, Freddy, you know, point you know point oh one, you know, and then in sort of the second one, it's very slimy looking. Yeah, well, I think like the very, first very one is slimy. like it, it looks like very like melty, and then yes, in the second one, it's like yeah, like wet. Um, yeah, but it's also much darker, like yeah, you know, um, yeah. but this one. Um, yeah, it feels more like, well, let's get some action figures and stuff made, you know, like, <clears throat> so we want a good, looks, clean design. He looks like Freddy, you know, yeah. I think most references now for Freddy are, even down to the jumper, I think, you know, even the jumper is like, I think it's either this one or the second one, because in the the sleeves have the line, the, the stripes on it in this one, and he didn't have it in the original. It was just yeah. like the stripes on the on the bottom of the torso, but not on the... And I know that's a ridiculous thing to sort of, like, remember, but when you're looking at true? it... You go, I don't think I've ever yeah, noticed yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so in the first one, it's just on the torso. 
Ah. Uh, the stripes. And then I think it's either the second one or it could be this one where the stripes appear on it. And what we get in this one is we get the Freddy probably right up until a new nightmare where they radically change the makeup, radically change it. This is the Freddy that, you know, we, we see on the Pepsi adverts and with the sunglasses <laughs> yeah. and the beach and, you know, it, in the comic book form. And uh, this, you know, Dream Warriors is where he is, you know, that character becomes that iconic character. And for some people, I think this is where they sort of go, this is the great, this fantastic sequel. But then after that, this is where it drops off for some people. Yeah. Not for me, you know. Obviously, well, uh, to be honest, if it wasn't for part four and the fact that I saw that one first, I think this would probably be my favourite. But yeah, part four was my introduction to the franchise um, <clears throat> and started my lifelong obsession with Lisa Wilcox. Uh, <laughs> so, although I mean, this this I had a huge crush on Patricia Arquette because of this film when I was a kid. You know, she. I tell you, <clears throat> her screaming is piercing. She is prop. People <clears throat> talk about like scream queens and people having like the best scream. I think her screaming is incredible. She it is, is good. just, it's a good set of lungs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of her character in this, I don't know how I feel about it. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, I she doesn't get a lot to do really. No. You know, She's there um, to like get everybody into the dream, and she well, sort of like she seems to just fold into the cast. So <clears throat> let's talk about the titular uh, dream warriors. Um, yes. <clears throat> so not everyone becomes a dream warrior. <clears throat> no. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but I'm just reminding myself of the names. So there's Taryn. So uh, yeah, Joey, Taran, Joey, <coughs> Kincaid, Kristen, Kristen, and um, Philip, um, Will, Master, Will, and poor Philip is the first one who really buys it, doesn't he? Uh, with the puppets. Uh, yeah, well, so that's why I didn't include him. <coughs> I'll get into that in a second, I guess. Um, <coughs> or, or is it Jennifer? Jeff, oh, Jennifer. Jennifer, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer yeah. Rubin plays Taran, uh, but then there's a character called ne Jennifer as well. Penelope, Penelope, I've got to be a yeah. Penelope Sedro plays Jennifer. Excellent, yeah. Um, so, Kincaid is obviously the best. Um, <laughs> what I really like is that um, Scream 3, there's a detective called Kincaid that's yes. human, named after um, this character. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, Kincaid is the best by like a country mile. Um, He's played by Ken Sagos, I want to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. And he's just great. Um, I, well, I, again, we'll get into why. Because the... So, yeah. First, we've got... We set up the Dream Warriors in the uh, in the group sessions. Yeah. Um, and Philip, um, I think he dies quite early on, doesn't he? Um, yes, he does. Well, that's why I noticed something really weird, but I'll go into this in a minute. So, um, so in the dream world, Freddy controls everything, but obviously then it does affect everyone in the in the real world, right? So there's a couple of problems I have here in in Freddy's powerful inconsistencies. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so 
usually like if Freddy cuts you in your dreams, it's established or whatever that that wound is real. In it happens to you yeah. in real life. That's like an established thing, not only in this film, but in the previous films as well. Um, but when he pulls that guy's veins out, like so there's no opening or anything there, yeah? He's yeah. just walking around like, you know. Yeah. So that's inconsistent with what we've already been set up to believe. But then yeah. he walks through a fucking door and I can't figure out why. Like he fades through a door like in real yeah. life. Yeah. And I'm like, so one, that's in completely inconsistent with Freddy's like abilities. Two, yeah. it really overcomplicates the story because why not just have him go through a door that's open? Like, <laughs> when, because the woman doesn't notice him anyway. So the whole point of him like walking past her was like, you know, like it was a security issue. But if you just have the yeah. woman not noticing that he walks past, which she doesn't anyway, then yeah. problem solved. But anyway, rather yeah. than anyone going up there to fucking help him, they all look through the window and shout Philip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now at this point, I noticed that. Patricia Arquette's shouting Philip. And I'm like, you haven't met Philip yet. I don't think no, you've she had a scene no, together. No, the group, no. No, the, the group the session hasn't scene, been. She's not in it. She's like, um, she's being kind of in, uh, yeah. inducted into the hospital. And then she's like, Philip, Philip, no. Philip, you're my best friend. <laughs> I can't Just imagine them all turning around and going like, who are you? What um, are you doing here? Like, yeah, like she doesn't really get a formal introduction to the cast. She no. just shows up shouting Philip at a window <laughs> and people go, I guess. And then I, from I, that I, moment in, they're all fucking super tight. Yeah. Even though, like the first thing you think, you're like, who the fuck's this new bird? Has she got anything to do with this? You know? Yeah. Like, she um, shows up and somebody's dying. But yeah, so that is really, it's really weird. Um, but it that's is. what I was talking about. Like, so I feel like the, the film bounces through a little bit too fast sometimes. And I felt like it needed, maybe it has it in deleted scenes or something or stuff that didn't Breathing get shot. Breathing space. Um, but it feels like there's some stuff missing. Yeah. Like in establishing yeah. why Patricia Arquette's bonding with these characters and stuff. Um, then we have Jennifer, um, welcome to primetime bitch, probably the yeah. greatest... Uh, it could be the best moment in the franchise. I think it is the most quoted. Yeah, it's fantastic. Because, like, I had a friend when we were kids who made a diorama of it because it was so iconic. Amazing. You know, like a out of plasticine, and oh man, it was. Uh... That scene was. What's interesting about that is Robert Englund was ad libbing those lines. Oh. He was ad libbing those lines, and they shot it. So uh, Chuck Russell shot it from one angle. And like, because um, Freddie's got a line before it, hasn't he? And he ad libbed that. Yeah. Um, and it's something like, oh, what was he saying? Um, something like, um, this is your big break now, or something. Yeah, yeah. And he's got, and he lifts her up, and then the camera changes angle for the, you know, welcome to primetime bitch line. Because what happened was they'd done the, like the takes of that one, and then they, they were going to shoot another angle, and then Robert England ad libbed. The line "Welcome to primetime, bitch," and Chuck Russell loved it so much. But fortunately, because he changed the angle to a point where they could cut the two together, 
Um, and that's how we get that that iconic scene. But again, Robert England, I mean, like he gets a lot of stick, Robert England, for being hammy and over the top, and you know, and not just in Freddy and like lots of his other iterations that he, you know, things that he's been in. And there are times where you watch some of his performances and you think, oh, Dylan, can we just take it from eleven once in a while? But well, I mean, that's actually, this you know, film all over. Like my wife said, like. It would have been much cheaper and easier just to have his face appear on the screen and say that. Oh, and I said, yeah. ah, but that's not the Nightmare on Elm Street way. If they can no. have like a slimy Freddy head growing out the TV, then oh, they'll do that instead. Absolutely. And like, he is, you know, his performance and as an actor to just have you create that iconic line just whilst you're doing it is... Yeah. All the power to him. You but can I mean, see why. this is the beginning of the... Um, I'll kill you via the thing that defines your personality. Here's a point yes. about it, you know, like yeah, um, and that this is a hundred percent the beginning of of that that basically goes up until Freddy's dead. Even it's even a new nightmare a little bit. Yeah, nightmare. Yeah, I mean Freddy's dead. They do have like I mean the Nintendo sequence. Oh, that, it's like, Freddy's dead is like the distillation of that of of all this. And stuff. it's just, and like and he's playing there and he's got the glove on and he's got oh. the Nintendo. Yeah, now he just goes, with power. Yeah, and he goes, great graphics. Oh. This <laughs> people can't see, but I'm putting my yeah. hand on my face. Although I do, I, mean, I have a real soft spot for part six. I remember um, I watched part. I rented part six from the uh, from the video shop, uh, and it came with 3D glasses. Oh, nice! Uh, and they actually, you know, eventually, like the glasses, because they've been loaned out to so many people, just fell apart. So you ended up, you know, if you rented it after a certain point, watching the 3D sequences without the 3D glasses, um, which is migraine-inducing. Um, but yeah, you know... Well, I was quite lucky days. recently. I, I know someone who's making a 3D film, so I have a pair of 3D glasses next to my computer all the time. Nice. Um, just Very in nice. case uh, he posts a new picture from it. Um but uh, so I was really lucky. I was watching when I was watching it recently. They kept the 3D toning. So yeah. I was like, I wonder if my fucking glasses work. And I've grabbed them and I was like, wow, I've never got to see this scene in 3D before. So it's an absolute blast for me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I, I will just talk about Freddy's Dead or if, if you let me. So, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the effects in this, going back to that, like yeah. it, they just, there's a way you could do it and then a way that would be so outlandish is it even worth doing yeah yeah and they go I mean, yeah like, no yeah we'll do that way the freddy the budget doll for this is massive though i know yeah i mean it you know in, especially compared to the first two that they, they really were like you know let's push the boat out the uh, the stop motion work on um the doll the uh, yeah. marionette yeah yeah is fantastic. We'll come back to the stop motion work in a bit because it does um, get all a bit Jason and the Argonauts, doesn't it? Well, Which is I've fabulous. Let, well, that's what I was going to say. I have lit Freddy and the Argonauts written, yeah, um, <laughs> written down as a um, that's another great band name. It's a good punk yeah, band yeah. name, Freddy and the Argonauts. Yeah, I love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's very much, uh, but yeah, like it's um. When the first scene where they all go into like dreams, yeah, is 
great. And they don't realise until the, uh, the the silver balls start floating around. The clackers, around. yeah. The, yeah. You know, and uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know what to call them. Clackers is, is clackers. the, the I, I don't um, yeah. <clears throat> You know. Um, I love the, it always makes, whenever I see those, it does make me think of the Simpsons episode where Lisa does a perpetual motion science project. Yeah. And Homer says, Lisa, in this house, we obey the laws of thermodynamics. <laughs> Which is just such a ridiculous, nerdy <laughs> thing to chuckle at. Anyway, uh, I digress. At that point, <laughs> um, Joey sneaks off because no one realises they're all asleep. Yeah. And then the hot nurse is like, hey, Joey, do you like my body? Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> are you sure you're not Freddy Krueger? No, he doesn't say anything because he can't talk. No, he does, he's mute. That's a big thing in the film. So Joey can't talk. Yeah. It couldn't alert he couldn't alert people to Philip's suicide because he couldn't talk, so he's banging a yeah. tray off people's doors and stuff, which I liked. I thought it was a really good moment and it really yeah. helped kind of sell a character. Um, but yeah, so he gets tongued to a bed uh, above like a fiery pit, um, and then in the real world, for some reason, he's just in like a coma. Um, yeah. And that's when, again, they establish that when Freddy cuts you in your dreams, you said because he writes a message to Nancy saying to come and get him or something like that. Yeah, come get he's me, my, bitch. He's mine now. Come get him, bitch, or something like that. Yeah, which is really well done. Uh, you can see the jump cuts in it, but I'll yeah. accept it. You know, yeah. but again, really outlandish stuff. Um, I've just realised as well. Spoilers uh, for Nightmare on Street Four. But doesn't Joey die in a waterbed in Part Four? I think so, and which is a nod to uh, Johnny Depp snuffing it in well, He part also one. gets tied to a bed for the entirety of... And, yeah, he, I think he, at first, there's like a hot lady underneath the, yeah, yeah. the water. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean it, he Joey, likes the ladies. Joey likes the ladies. You've got to learn your lesson. You know, yeah, you would be paranoid, wouldn't you, with any you would. sort of the next woman time you saw any hot lady, especially floating around <laughs> in your waterbed, you'd be like, definitely Freddy Krueger this time. 100%. You tricked me last time, but this time, 100% Freddy Krueger. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we get um, introduced kind of, like they discuss what they think their powers would be Yeah. in the, um, you know, in the, uh, in the, in the dream, dream world. Escape. Yeah. Um, but then obviously we don't get to find out what Joey's would be and we don't get to find out what Phillips or Jennifer's would be because they did. Um, yeah. And then... Um, I love that moment when Kincaid just folds a chair up. Oh, yeah. And he's like, man, don't do that. It's really unnerving. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then they get fired because Joey went into a coma during this thing and they all get trapped in the group room, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Um, so Joey goes into coma and Nancy and Neil get fired. Um, yeah. Which is a big problem because it introduces basically like a ticking clock for the film because yeah. they're like, oh crap, Freddie's going to kill these kids one by one now. But the people who were protecting them have now been expelled from the institution. And so, yeah. um, so then Neil goes on his quest to figure out what's going on with this nun that he keeps seeing. And like, she might as well have just gone, Oh, yes, they say a young girl was in here, but she definitely wasn't me, but a young girl yeah. was trapped in the asylum. But it, once again, it definitely wasn't me. 
But they did say that a young girl was trapped in here. They raped her for days, but it wasn't me. You know, yeah. like, and that's what the... That, Big side with Amanda Kruger. Like. Yeah. Point in um, but it's uh, The Bastard of a Thousand Maniacs, the first time that's mentioned yeah. here. Again, yeah. I thought all this stuff was like part four or five stuff, but no, it's right yeah. here. Um, well, actually, the numbers goes up. Because she says in this one, it's the son of a, a bastard son of a hundred maniacs. Oh, right. And then in the subsequent sequels, the numbers get up. So I think if they carried on making them, by the time they got to like part 10, it would have been like a million or a hundred thousand. Yeah. Freddy Krueger. He's yeah. just a guy with like a million dads. That's, yeah. <laughs> part seven, the PG-13. Uh, where he's like, yeah. oh, he's like a child, like, scarer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, he doesn't really like children. Yeah, like, you, you, know, he, you know, he's a spooky, spooky, scary man for children. Um, yeah, he because he's the arsehole who puts the you know the pitchfork through your football yeah. if you kick it into now, his garden. Now go and buy, you know, go buy some Freddy Krueger action figures and watch the animated series. Yeah, on yeah. Fox Kids. You yeah. know, um, so it's at this point one hour into the film that I went, "Where's John Saxon?" I know John Saxon's in this film. Where's John Saxon? And yeah. lo and behold, literally as I thought it, he uh, appears. He, he say his Apparently, name and he shall appear. John Saxon into a mirror. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's introduced an hour into the film, um, and uh, he basically is like a drunk. Um, it's really weird that this film introduces everybody with like a load of gravitas, and then yeah. does John Saxon the dirty. Like what a moment to really introduce him. Like you can imagine him, like the figure sat at the bar drinking, and then you know she goes, "Hi, Dad!" And John Saxon turns and looks over his shoulder, and he's like, "Yeah, hey, princess." You know, and there's like a yeah. real potential for a moment there, but it's just like shot of John Saxon. Hello, Nancy. <laughs> like, and yeah. You're like, oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, like, I got to be honest with you. This is John, motherfucking Saxon. Enter the dragon. You know. He, John, he is one of the coolest individuals on the planet. I'm a massive John Saxon. And when Neil, like, knocks the table over and grabs him, you just yeah. think... Not having it. It's not going to work, Neil. It. No, 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 I'm sorry. Oh, for a second. I, like, I, I do struggle with his portrayal all the way through this film. Like, yeah. he tries to run away at one point, and he's like, uh, I don't think you get very far without these keys. And he's like, <laughs> oh, man. I was trying oh, to get away. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, you know, it's um yeah, it's it's nice to see him. And I do I, I appreciate what they try to do. Um but I do feel like they, they do him the dirty a little bit. Yeah, they um, missed you know, they I you know, John Saxon deserves better. John yeah. Saxon deserves better. So at this point. <laughs> Our heroes split into two, don't they? Neil goes yeah. with John Saxon. He makes him go to the um, oh well, the kids phone the the bar. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, he's got a beeper. Um, yes, the bar. So they phone the, the, beeper, yeah, the beeper and he phones them back and goes, well, "What's up?" And they go, "Oh, they've put Patricia Arquette in solitary and they've made her go to sleep. You've got to get here." And Nancy's like, "I'll go there. You go get Freddie's bones that the ghost said you needed to find." <laughs> Um, but not the ghost, the nun that I don't know exists, that you only know exists, but I somehow know what she told you. And he's like, yes. 
cool. Um, Sounds like so, a plan. So somehow everybody is now fully aware of everything the audience knows without ever finding it out from anyone. Because, yeah, yeah, like there's a bit where he like leaves a funeral. Neil. Yes. Like there's a funeral and he's yeah. just like, one second. And like runs off across the graveyard and you're like, uh, mate, it's a bit disrespectful. Like, well, my wife is, you know, my wife is now a funeral celebrant, so she, you know, she, 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 you know, she is in charge of, you know, running the, you know, the services and those kind of things. And I don't think anybody just sort of goes, yeah, like, hang on a second, I'll be back now. Especially if like a doctor who was overseeing her treatment during her death, like, just yes. walks off during the, you'd be like, uh, where you going, mate? It's a bit. Uh... It's just, you know, you have to expect me to go. Hold on, Padre. I'll be back now. <laughs> he saunters around the corner. But he like he, like, he probably like sprints off across the crazy yeah. like, after this nun. Uh, but yeah, then she comes up and she's like, who are you talking to? And he's like, I'm just talking to this nun. And she's like, what nun, you weirdo? And he's like, I guess I'm a ghost. But he just doesn't say anything. He goes, huh, that's weird. That nun just completely vanished. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> so anyway. Strange things, nuns. <laughs> um. So they separate off. They've got to find Freddy's bones, which um, um, the nun has said, you've got to find the bones and bury them properly. Because because of the parents, the parents of Elm Street didn't bury them bones properly. Yeah, that's why he's still got all his problems. <clears throat> yeah. That's why Freddy keeps coming back. And they're like, all oh, right, so but if we bury the bones, he will definitely be 100% dead. Yes, 100%. 100%. 100%. Nothing uh, doing with the dog he... peeing on his grave. <clears throat> we'll bring no. him back. <laughs> um, well, uh, I say 100, maybe 95, 80, 65, maybe, maybe, I don't know. So um, then we, uh, so then we have the, sneaks in and gets them all into a group even though Max is like no one's going near my kids she's like come up like they're in danger and he's like oh I suppose so then like um well she actually just says I just want to say goodbye yeah and, and he's, he's like, like well okay, no you're not go and do that unattended then <laughs> like <laughs> um so I don't think Max is very good at his job yeah well speaking of people who are I think it's hard to the right place yeah no I agree um Speaking of people who aren't very good at their jobs, my next note here is Dream Warriors, more like Scream Warriors, because yeah. <laughs> they're terrible. Like, they go in, they, they do all this thing. They're like, uh, he's like, in my dreams, I'm the wizard master, motherfuckers. And it's like, in yeah. my dreams, I'm yeah. beautiful and bad. And she's got like flick knives. And like, Kincaid's like, yeah, that's right. Let's go show Freddy some shit. Like, yeah. and then... They all instantly get fucking killed. Like they don't even get a hit against him most of the time. Like I mean, she does stab him once. Yeah, yeah. And then, and that's it. But they're they're awful. They're the worst <laughs> warriors I've ever seen assembled, except for motherfucking Kincaid. Yeah, he's just great. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um. We go back to and the, what I also scene like about the film that. and we get some more ducking. Yeah, we do. But what I love about Kincaid's character is that it is the total reversal of the black African-American actor yeah. buy-in. It's, you know, and, and usually getting picked off first. It is that yeah. reversal <clears throat> of that. And I think it's actually 
I think it's one of the very few times, particularly in the 80s and probably right up until the 90s, that that happens. Yeah, which oh, I is, absolutely agree you know, with you. He's also like, you've usually, like in the stereotype became that the black character is usually like the most cautious and the most scared that they're yeah. going to get it. But yeah. he's like, where's Freddy? Bring Freddy out. I want to fight Freddy. Like, yeah. And that's his like character all the time. And I really like that. It's why he's my favourite. I've also written yeah. Stunt Double Arquette um, because yeah. she's like she becomes a completely different person when she's doing like flips off the walls and stuff. It's um, almost as it's not quite as bad as the Buffy stunt double stand. No, in. no. When you know Sarah Michelle Gellar stunt person, <laughs> St- yeah, like forty-year-old stunt woman, Sarah Michelle yeah. Gellar. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've written Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors are terrible mostly, except for Kincaid, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I had high great. expectations of Will. Um, I had high expectations of Will. And he just let you know, down. I mean, he blew up that, you know, the, the wheelchair, which is a really cool piece of, you know, in terms of like set and yeah. prop work. That's yeah. a really cool moment. Um, but then he zaps Freddy and Freddy's like, oh, what a world, what a world. And he's sort of, and then... Aha, gotcha. well, I don't believe in fairy. I don't believe in fairy. I don't tales. believe in fairy tales. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Um, but yeah, th- this is where I really noticed how good the dream sequences were because at the, up until this point, really, yeah. we've been kind of like doing that. Oh, they're asleep. Um, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. this time they went no. Like, so we're going into like the dream world now. So we're aware of that. And so yeah. it's a goddamn freaking nightmare. Like literally, like yeah. it's basically yeah. hell. Um, yes. You know, and um, I mean, they look great. The stark contrast, the colors. The set dressing is 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 phenomenal. And like I, I know I talk about it all the time, but all the time. But I do think Maison scene is something that's really important. And like that, when you look at the world that they create for Freddy, that dream world, that boiler world, that boiler room world. It's, it's it's fantastic and the lighting yeah. is brilliant the lighting is superb absolutely and this is like the first time we get because we've had the boiler room before a couple of yeah. times but this is the first time that we get like freddy's lair where it's like in the dream world it's like the boiler room but it's also like like a le- like the devil's lair kind of thing you know yeah fire and rocks and pits and yeah you know um it's the first time we get that in this film and then that becomes yeah. like a constant really going forward like he's always got like some kind of like lab that's built around the boiler and like room. that idea of like him absorbing the souls as well the, where yeah, he lifts his chest shirt of, the chest of souls yeah it's one of the greatest designs they ever added to the franchise it's yeah. just absolutely classic. and they're all screaming and they're, oh, it's it, yeah it's really really good so really yeah, good. all that stuff is fantastic and then we get to Freddy and the Argonauts, where so what happens yeah. is they go to the junkyard, which is a great place for a final set piece, and it's made me like really nervous of scrapyards ever since. Like, I mean, um, they're not the most inviting places, though, are they? Scrapyards? No, generally. no, definitely not. I got lost in one coming back from like a party when I was at university. Um, I took a wrong turn and ended up like in a dead end in this like scrapyard, and ended up walking into a scrapyard. And I was like, my God, these places are terrifying. Like, oddly enough, I used to live opposite one, like a proper scrap with cars hanging. It was like almost abandoned, like, but I used to yeah. live, and that was really creepy, particularly in the night 
because the you know good old fashioned sort of like 1960s 70s health and safety didn't exist zinc metal sheeting yeah. would, and the wind would blow and whistle through it it was just really creepy and really horrible but yeah however the car they could have picked for freddy could have been a little less conspicuous yeah it also looks a bit like monstery like and i feel like it's a bit overdone yeah. it looks like it's got teeth like yeah I'm like, where'd you get a fucking, where did you get Christine from to bury? Yeah, it's like, if you're going to bury the bones of somebody in a car, you'd pick the, you know, the larder or, you know, the old school larder. There's a Skoda there. It's got to look There's a Robin Reliant, you know, but no, the bright red Cadillac. That's it. That's just Americans all over, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so then what happens is, Freddy's bones come alive and yes. attack Neil and they throw him in a pit that he's been digging for Freddy after John Tass tries to escape. Um, he's like, oh, I'm out of here. Oh, I'm so scared of Freddy. Um, but then they do... Um, John Saxon does try to save him. And he... He does. He meets his maker. Um, and it's it's sad, you know? You feel bad for Anytime him. Saxon buys it, I still get a bit teary-eyed in Battle from Beyond the Stars when his character gets blown up at the end, even though he's the big baddie. Yeah, because he's, he's John Saxon. He's a legend. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And so, but I, I like that they redeem him a little tiny bit at that end there. Um, yeah. So then we get, uh, then we go back to the dream world where the, everyone's in trouble. Uh, Freddie is now coming out of the mirrors and grabbing everyone. And now uh, Joey, which yeah. is, it's great. I really love it. Um, so Joey does the only thing he can do is he uses his dream power, which is to scream and it blows Absolutely. up mirrors. Yeah. Uh, the power to smash mirrors with your voice. Um, however, I don't understand why he knows that they'll all fall out of the mirrors if he breaks them. Because my thinking in that scene would be, yeah. You smashed the mirrors while all your friends were inside the mirrors. They'd be trapped. trapped in the mirrors forever. Like, so, but I think apparently it was just sheer panic. that kicks them all out of the mirrors. Um, and they, and then for some reason they go, it's over. And I go, why would you say that? Why would you say that it's over? There's been no indication that it's over. Why would you even think that it's over? Just because yes. you've smashed some mirrors. Like, um, and then, so as a kid... Heavenly John Saxon comes down. Yeah. And as a kid, I was like, obviously, Freddy. Yeah. But watching it this time, I'm like, it's not actually that obvious because we've just seen him die and they yeah. think they've won, even though they obviously haven't. But then he floats down. He's like, hey, Nancy, I've died. And she's totally fine with it. Like, she's like, oh, thanks, Daddy. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. and I think... I mean, I got to be honest with you, right? I like Heather Lang Langenkamp. I think, you know... She's clearly, whenever you see her interview, she's clearly a lovely, lovely person. But there are some times, and I don't know whether it's the script, but even in the first one, she some of her lines sort of clunk, Absolutely. and her performance is a bit like, Yeah, oh, that's <clears throat> we'll be we'll be lynched for that, but it's, yes, I mean, it, that's it's true. Like, and I, don't get me wrong, I love her, she's probably the third greatest final girl of all time um, after uh, Kirsty and uh, Jamie Lee. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, 
Although I, I mean, I don't particularly like Jamie Lee either as a person. So I mean, that's uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I doubt she's listening to this. So I don't think she's gonna be offended. Um, <laughs> you get a knock on the door now, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, <laughs> but no, no. But I, I mean, in terms of that stuff, I do feel like um, Heather Langenkamp has been the most respectful to her franchise. Yes, of everyone. Um, yes, she has, and for that, she's number one. Um, you know. Um, but yeah, she. It's just weird character decisions. The script's full of it, though, where things aren't developed properly, yeah. and I sometimes feel a lot of it's that. <clears throat> but she, her dad's dead, and she's like, "Oh, thanks, daddy." Like, and I'm like, yeah. "Your father's dead. That should be a devastating blow to you." <clears throat> yeah, it's I mean, like, oh, I know it's Freddie, but she doesn't know that, and as we yeah. as an audience really wouldn't know that because, again, as a kid, I was just suspicious that everything was Freddie. But as an adult watching it, as an audience member, I'm like, yeah. well, we've just seen him die and then he's come down. So I'm guessing John Saxon is like, you know, visiting her as a, as, as a ghost. Um, but then it's obviously Freddy. And, he's, yeah. and he killed Nancy. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Do you know what? I was, when I watched this the first time as a kid, I was shook. I, I was I, I had a physical reaction from it. It wasn't as bad as when I was a kid and I watched Optimus Prime die in the cinema and yeah. bawled for pretty much 10 minutes of the film. Um, that was a... See, nobody gets that, how devastating that moment is in, in any child's life is watching your hero die on screen. Yeah. But I was shook watching it when you think, hang on a second, you can't kill your, your screen queen. Yeah. You can't do that. Well, because I watched them out yeah. of order when I was younger... I like it wasn't until I rewatched them as an adult I was like, yeah, Nancy dies. What the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like in my brain I was like, oh, people die all the time and they come back in these things and you know, yeah. Um, but then I forgot. Yeah, she's not in any of the until New Nightmare. We don't see her again. No, no. Um, and her performance in New Nightmare is better. It's better than in the in the previous series. So you know, we she does. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, So I think it it could be a script issue here. Um, because she, she also, yeah, like everything just feels a bit clunky sometimes. The whole, yeah, it does, it's it's dialogue, especially it's character moments more than anything. It's, it feels like it's trying to get, get characters to where they need to be to have for Freddie to say his pun. Um, is the problem, but yeah, so, uh, but I will say that the fight with the skeleton and the subsequent defeating of him and his bones and stuff uh, feels very final like um, yeah. in terms of a death for Freddy like, I don't know why um, but it does feel like they've taken care of him for good, which they yeah. obviously have and um, you know there won't be any more films uh, Well you originally know. this was going to be the end of the series Yeah and it feels like it that, be- it really does feel like that um, It was going to be the <clears> end of the series <throat> and then it made a lot of money Yeah um, and uh, so yeah, it does. It feels really final. Everyone's won. Um, oh, so no, I haven't missed it. It's here when Neil just leaves the funeral to go after the Exorcist Three nun. So they're in a <laughs> funeral for like all these people that have died, and he's like, "Hang on a minute, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go," and he runs over to the nun. Um, and then that's that's when she's like, um, "Who are you talking to?" And he's like, "A ghost." Um. Yeah. But it no, it turns out that um, no, I think that is earlier. Um, but it turns out it's 
Amanda Kruger, which we all knew because all the way through she was yeah. going, I was, there was a girl at this asylum who definitely wasn't me, you know, um, <clears throat> and it's, yeah. uh, and it's, you know, hammy, but it's good. I like it, yeah. you know, uh, that I, we discovered like that it, she was Freddie's mum. It feels a little bit, some of it, I feel like, do we really want to know more about Freddie? Like, you know, he's scarier well, that, I think bit. that's the mistake I was about to say, actually. Is it like when you humanise your monster too much? <clears throat> yeah, well, that's what I mean. He starts off as like a paedophile, and then he's a child murderer. And then it by this film, it's starting to become like, well, how could he be anything else? You know, he was... Uh, the, the son of, like, of a hundred thousand maniacs. Rape of a like, nun. Yeah. A nun as well. You know, the one thing you don't rape is a nun, and now you've done it. <laughs> you know, like, and it's like, and it's like that, and it starts to like make it like, what else could Freddy have been but a monster? You know, now go buy, and the, that is the thing, go buy yeah. a plastic Freddy mask and, you know, uh, plastic tabard and go door and to go, door. Go trick or treating. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's, um, I mean, it's like, I think if you think of it like sort of, and I love Halloween 2. I, strangely enough, I've probably seen Halloween 2 more than I've probably seen the original one for some reason, because it just always seems to be like on TV and always available in the, video, in, in the video shop. So you sort of probably watched it more. But where they bring in that idea that, you know, Michael is, you know, um, Laurie's brother, and then they start sort of, you know, and then like yeah. they take it that one step further in the Rob Zombie ones where they like, you see like, young Michael and he's a tormented child and it's yeah. uh, you know and they even did it a little do, bit with like Leatherface. Sister Angle helps it make sense. I'm always frustrated that they get rid of that all the time. Because yeah I, I, <clears> it's but like, it, like I, I could go out humanizes him. Yeah I could go on about this all day. Like I I never understand why they removed the sister angle for Halloween 40 years later, or whatever it's called. I think and the, then I think the idea of it being the sister make it about Laurie when you go like but just you've stopped it making sense by removing that thing. Yeah. Like yeah, um, I mean I think they wanted to sort of like get back to that idea of he's yeah, just, but I mean you can keep no Halloween two. for it. Also, Halloween 2 is fucking great. Don't yeah. remove Halloween. Like, yeah. listen, I love Halloween four, I love Halloween six. Oh, like today. Halloween four is <clears throat> Tremendous I love in them, terms of sequels, but I can understand why you'd want to remove them from the franchise, but not two. Yeah. Like, not. I two. mean, the one problem they got with two is they pretty much kill him outright, completely <clears throat> outrightly. Just we've already seen dead. that we'll just accept that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? True. I mean, he was blinded that in the first true. one, yet he seemed to be fine. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. Anyway, just a flesh wound. Um. But, like all good horror movies, yeah, the docking house that she was building at the beginning from docking oh. posters and such yeah. springs to life at that last moment as the fucking immortal tune begins. And what, oh. I want an op opening couple bars. Oh, my God. What an opening tune. Honestly. And it just... Yeah. Even if the film had been complete garbage... That last moment saves it. Yeah. If it had been and, and the I, I, worst film of all time and they'd ended it with that song and that house. Just that like, the light coming ding, on. Ding, ding. Yeah. <sighs> you know, the one, you know, was it was it 1428 Elm Street house? The light comes yeah. up and it's like, yeah. Oh, 
it's Here beautiful. She's very good at making model houses. And I'm like, she is. Like, what the fuck's that about? Like, <laughs> like she's made out of lolly sticks and something. And I go, oh, that looks like an entire art department put that together, love. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, one thing I do like at the beginning, I, I say I like, it's hilarious, is you know the shots of her like cutting the paper and stuff? There's just yeah. a random shot of her just cutting through nothing over and over yes. again for like one of the credits. And I've, this was a, my first note. The concept of the scissors is just not cutting anything. Like, it's because they want to make sure they get the movement of the scissors, but without, you know. Yeah. I thought it was funny. But yeah, it ends on the perfect note. Um, I mean, the one thing that sort of, you know, when Nancy um, and Patricia Arquette first meet in the dream world, where she's like pulled her into a dream, the, the like the snake Freddy. Oh, man. Yeah. Comes, like, I can't believe we haven't even mentioned that. I've got, I've written it down. Um, the they have a, they had work. a massive, massive issue with that because when it arrived on set, it was pink and just looked rather phallic. Yeah. It, you know, it just, and like reading, reading about that, it just reminded me of the, the Phoenix Knight bouncy castle, the Sammy yeah. the Snake. So the only thing that they could do to sort of stop it looking so, they just covered it in green slime. Well, I, they I feel just, like that was just a mistake. Um, it's it. in the Nightmare on Street NES game. Um, yeah. Been playing quite recently. And it's Freddy's colours in that, and it looks fucking great. Like, I just don't know why they just didn't leave it. Like, Yeah, but this thing just <clears throat> did just look like a giant penis. Uh, but, I mean, that's uh, that's all right. I mean, they got. Away, I mean, they, they took the story in an interesting arc in the second one, so I think you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, that scene's fantastic. Um, and yeah. let's 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 not forget that I can't watch that scene now. You know, with the return to the wall, without uh, yeah. imagining uh, Lynch coming out playing a guitar solo from the docking music yeah. video that they <laughs> yeah. cut into the film instead of uh, in, they cut that into the music video instead of the worm. Um, and I was like, you know. That's so yeah. I just always imagine uh, the lead guitarist of Dokken smashing through the wall and hitting over <laughs> the sweet solo instead of uh, instead of the giant pretty worm. Every time I watch that bit, <clears throat> it's great. Uh, it's you know, it is. I think out of you know, when people talk about sequels, um, people you know, there have been some sequels that have been better than the originals, um, but I don't, I think this one is on par. I see, I, I think. I'm one of the few people who think. I, I mean, I love Nightmare on Street, but I think yeah. it's one of the very few franchises where the sequels really, really improve upon the original. Um, and I think, yeah. it, I think it peaks at Part Five. Um, I mean, that's not the best one, but I think in terms no. of um, yeah, I mean, ambition, like, it peaks. Yeah, I, I, but I, I do. This is probably objectively this is probably the best one, but I prefer four. Yeah, um, I mean like just because I mean, of that montage. You... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm not a massive fan of like people go on and say about oh you know I think you know New Nightmare is great. I'm not a big fan of a New Nightmare. I like it. I think it's a good solid film, but I'm not a big fan of like the. That's why I'm not a huge Scream fan. I like Scream and I appreciate what it did. But I'm not a big fan of, I think, like the whole meta idea is a bit smug. I know, you know you what mean. I mean. I, th uh, I think it's more the effects that it had on cinema overall that I have a problem with yeah, rather yeah. than the film itself, because I love the Scream films and I do 
There's something the first great one about phenomenal. going. Horror films exist in a movie where a horror film's happening. Is there's something about that that it's an it's an it's a really interesting it, it idea. Makes it very it makes everything seem very real. But I know I know what you mean. Um, I mean New Nightmare. I think it's great. I'm sad it was the last proper Nightmare on Elm Street that we got. Um, I would have liked some more. Um, I do like Freddy versus Jason, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's in tune with the rest of the franchise. You know? Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it kind of. Um, I don't know. It just feels. I. I, mean, I know what they were trying to do with it, with Freddy versus Jason, but I just think it's sort of like. Oh. It feels it's like a, bit... if if I told you that WWE had produced it and took their their name off it at the last minute, you'd believe. Yeah. Me. Oh, you make like, sense. You yeah. make perfect sense. Absolutely, and I, that, I think that's the problem with it. Is it's. It's too much of its time, and I just really always I liked it, but I always really wished it had been made like five years earlier. You know, yeah, like absolutely. Um, when we were getting stuff like Jason Goes to Hell and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, like one of the most interesting ideas I think would have been the Ash versus Freddy idea. I think that you know, I you you could imagine in that world, in that cinematic world, them coexisting and working. Yeah, well, they adapted I mean. that into a comic book, which is really good. Um, I haven't read. I'm, I, I know, I'm aware. It's fantastic. I they did two of them. They did uh, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, and Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, Nightmare Warriors, which is obviously Ooh. a reference to Dream Warriors, which brings us nicely full circle. But it is very good. It's worth looking up. Um, but I think, unless you have anything more to add, I think that I think uh, I think you've covered, covered it. this I think that back to front is Dream Warriors. Um, so if you thank you for joining me Hugh oh thank you for having me very on very nice to have you um, obviously I'll let you pick the film uh, and you, picked, <laughs> thank you, you chose wisely sir I chose um, wisely young man. but yeah uh, so we're the previous episode Scream 2 one probably will be on our podcast network by the time you hear this uh, if you want to hear these early our next one I think is Exorcist 3 Um oh, Oh. Love it. Um, Love it. You can hear that early. It might not be Exodus 3, so don't hold me that. But wherever it is, you can hear it early on um <laughs> on our um uh at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash micro You get these early there. We've got some other podcast stuff kind of in production at the minute. Um we're kind of rebranding the whole thing, so it's a little bit of a slow process, but it is getting there. Um so in the meantime, I hope you guys are enjoying these ones and we're adding some more stuff as we go. Um also, if you go to myco.co.uk, myco.co.uk, you can uh, find our T-shirts and movies and short films and uh, video games now and action figures and all that jazz. Um, but until next time, just keep repeating. It's only a sequel. It's only, it's a, only sequel. a sequel. It's only, it's a, only sequel. a sequel. It's only it's a, only a sequel. sequel. It's only a sequel. It's only a sequel.